This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Tanya and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means for recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we're going to talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve Friday. That is from the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease. It's not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer from cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and to become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of our obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first one. This makes us powerless. We will often hear from sober alcoholics that they doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recover. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Um, Kylie, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick overview of who you are, so your age and how long you've been sober for? Sure. Uh, So my name's Kylie. Uh, I have been sober for about 15 years. Uh, and I'm 50 now, Woo. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't uh, feel it. And what's your occupation? Do you what do you do for a for a role? For a living. Um, so I'm a trained kindergarten teacher, 
And I worked in that for many years, but I actually worked for myself. The last 13 years, I've been working for myself from home. So I have a kindergarten in my home. That's awesome. And any family? Yes, I have a husband and two two teenage children, a boy 17 and a girl 15. Awesome. And um, what was your childhood like? Um, It was happy, but I was unhappy, if that makes sense. Um, There was nothing inherently wrong with my childhood. My parents were together. They did a great job at, um, you know, providing us with all the things that children would like, shelter and love and warmth and uh, food and schooling and activities, uh, you know, lots of activities of whatever kind I wanted to be interested in. Um, But I was an unhappy, anxious child. Even though I was an outgoing child, I I couldn't sleep at night. I, um, yeah, I just was irritable, restless and discontent, but I didn't know it, you know, I didn't mm. know it. But now looking back, I can tell that I, I didn't feel like I fitted. Mm. Mm. And when did you start drinking? Um, I, I don't remember exactly the age. I used to go away and stay at family members and friends of the family quite a lot in the holidays. And that was a cool experience. And on one of those holidays, I guess I must have been around 10-ish, 12-ish, you know, around that age. Um, We were at a function and, you know, there was beer and wine and various drinks and food and things available. And um, I was allowed a shandy. So that was half lemonade, half wine, I think. And I enjoyed it. It tasted good. But um, I probably, when I was about 15, I went away with my aunt and she had a cask of wine and I stole my first drink. Mm. I didn't, I don't realise like that's not something I was not a dishonest child. That was not something I did, you know, that was not part of who I was, but it didn't even occur to me that that was wrong. You know, I just took it. I just Mm. took it. And how did your drinking progress from there? Slowly, actually, in many ways, um, uh, confusingly, like I, I would go to parties. I wasn't allowed to go to parties until I was 17. And so it was like no parties, now parties. And there was no other kind of instruction or guidance. <laughs> it was just no, yes. <laughs> and um, and so, of course, I encountered alcohol and wine. I don't know who provided it. Um, and I could feel the effects of it. And I was a bit cautious about that. Um, and then one time I was at a party where there was uh, spirits, rum was available. And we weren't kind of cultured enough to have the mixes to go with that. So I was just drinking straight rum and I had no idea that one minute I was going to be fine and the next minute I was going to be completely intoxicated to the point where, you know, I was um, rude and obnoxious to my boyfriend while I flirted with some other boy and had no idea how to get home. Um, I was staying over for the first time at a friend's and if my boyfriend hadn't have been a kind person who saw us confused and a bunch of girls confused late at night in the middle of town, unable to find their way home. And he stopped and picked us up and took us where we were going. I didn't deserve that. I'd been rude and obnoxious all night to him. Mm. And, um, you know, but he actually took care of us and I don't actually know what would have happened. And that kind of freaked me out. Like that freaked me out that I didn't know how to take care of myself. And so I actually stopped drinking at 17. I'd barely started. 
um, because of the effect it was having on me and because of who I became when I drank. And I quickly worked out that if I said I only wanted one drink at a party, I'd be badgered all night, asked for a drink. And But if I said, you know, I was getting to that age where it was kind of cultured to sort of say, no, I don't drink. You know, I'm old enough to have made this decision, <laughs> you know. And so I discovered that if I said I don't drink, people asked me once at the beginning of the night and they left me alone. And so that's, it's sort of like I knew that my drinking was scary, you know. And so I kind of quickly was cautious around that and 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 stopped while I still could, I, I guess, now when I think about it. So what did you drink? What did it do for you? Uh, it took me out of myself. Um, it gave me a false sense of happy, um, of relaxedness. Um, made me feel like it fitted in, you know, like everyone else. Everyone else was drinking so I could be like everyone else. Yeah, but it also made me feel um, uncomfortable and uh, worried, you know, about my safety and how, how to manage myself, yeah. And did you ever feel that it was a bit of a problem in the early days? You said you gave up drinking for a little bit of time or you just stopped, you said you didn't drink. I, yeah, I mean, when I sit in meetings now and I hear what problems people had with drinking, I, di I didn't identify those kinds of problems. But I guess, yes, for me, I felt like drinking was scary, you know, because you never knew what was going to happen. And so, yes, I, I guess I did feel like drinking was a problem for me, and so I stopped. Mm. And what made you realise you needed help? Was there a slide into a rock bottom? Did um, did it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I um, For me, addiction swaps around, you know, swaps around. And so I didn't know it at the time, but I had a raging food addiction. I was an anorexic bulimic. Um and later on in life, so I, I'm talking, this is in my 17, early 20s. Um, by the time I was 30, I was very, very sick with anorexia and bulimia. Um, I'd abused my body so badly that I was unable to have children. I uh, came to a fellowship that helped, it was a 12-step fellowship that was helping with the food. And I stuck around there for five years and I could not get sober. I just could not get well. And I uh, eventually changed my sponsor and she immediately sent me to AA. And I was like, why am I, what? Like, I was so confused. Mm. And so that's how I ended up at a meeting because my life was not working. I was a mess. Yeah. So what did it and, do? Sorry. No, carry on. I was just going to say, what did it do to you? Sort of like you talk about the physical manifestations, but what was it like for your mental and emotional and spiritual self? Mm -hmm. I was, uh, yeah, I was miserable. I was trying to control the heck out of life because life was terrifying. I couldn't sleep. I was um, abusive in my relationship with my husband, you know, like blaming him for my misery, wanting him to fix me. You know, uh, the pain and the, and the discomfort would get so bad that I would I basically wanted everyone around me to be as miserable as me. I don't know why I thought that was a good solution, but that's how I was in the world, you know, and I was miserable and anxious, you know, like even when I was happy, I kind of lived in fear of when, I, when the next overwhelming sense of unhappiness would be. Um, 
you know, I had quite extreme depression, um, you know, towards the end, just before I came into AA, you know, I was fairly suicidal. I mean, you know, there was not a lot of hope. I just didn't know how to make life work. I didn't know how to make life work. So what was your first AA meeting like? Enlightening. Um, you know, there was the stigma, the stigma. I didn't want to be an alcoholic, you know, and I couldn't believe that I'd found myself at an AA meeting. But I was willing to go because I didn't have any other answer. Um, and so I did as suggested in blind faith, really. And I was surprised. I was surprised at how much I identified with what you guys were talking about. I was surprised at and relieved, you know, relieved that I could recognize myself in the sharing. Um, yeah. And what were the people like there when you when you turned up? They were kind. Um, they were funny. <laughs> um, you know, they were humorous. They were laughing about their lives and they were, you know, functional. You know, they had jobs and relationships and were raising children and, um, you know, they weren't miserable all the time and... You know, some people had difficulties and things that they were working through, but I could see that there was honesty. Mm. And, um, you know, and I ha had been desperately falling apart on the inside, but trying to look like I was all together on the outside. So that honesty and hearing people's journeys from, you know, like total chaos and, and misery to something much more functional was very hopeful. Yeah, I appreciated that so much. And how have you managed to stay sober? What does process of recovery look like for you? Um, it it meant sitting in meetings, hearing the message over and over, you know, and lots of times it didn't make sense um, because I couldn't work out why I felt like I belonged. But my drinking story, like I really did, hadn't drunk that much compared to other people. But I knew that this was the solution. I felt like I belonged and I knew that this was the solution. And my life, you know, from the minute I hit that first AA meeting, I cleaned up in my food addiction, you know, like I was able to do as suggested with my food addiction and was no longer suffering in that area. So I couldn't explain to anyone how I knew this program worked, but I knew that my life was better and mm. I was less miserable and you know, there were bits of serenity and joy and peace and um, just a hopefulness. And so I I couldn't really explain how AA had given that to me, but I knew that I hadn't found it anywhere else. So I just kept coming back, really, even though not a lot of that made any sense. And it still doesn't really make any sense, but I just know my life's better. So I just keep coming, you know, keep doing what works. And what does work for you? What are the tools of sobriety that you use? Um, so, well, I got I come to meetings. So I go to meetings because I find that that's still a positive thing, a helpful thing. Um, I, you know, they talked about getting a sponsor. So I, I followed direction. I, I, so I got a sponsor. And so I talk to my sponsor regularly um, and what I've come to understand is that just keeps my head in check because my problem isn't in the picking up of the drink. It's what my head is telling myself that then makes that drink become attractive. Um, 
So yeah, I keep coming back to meetings. I keep working the steps. Um, you know, I've found a relationship with a higher power that works for me, a faith that works. Um, I didn't know how to trust God. You know, I, I thought it was all up to me really. And I was doing a very bad job of running my life. <laughs> I ran it into the ground really. And so I had to learn, you know, you showed me how to have a faith that works, you know, how to have tricky things come up and how to hand that over, how to trust God with those things. Um, yeah. And has so this been a big part of your recovery? Yes. Um, the, you know, you told me, people at AA told me that um, self-obsession was part of my problem and the way to get well was to, um, you know, be doing for other people and working out how to be of service in the world. And so, you know, at first that was, you know, helping to set up and pack down the chairs and open a meeting and be the key holder and greet people at the door and make coffee, buy the biscuits, you know, just those simple things helped me feel a part of and that I, you know, that I could contribute, you know, so much of my life had been about misery that it was the simple things that helped. That's awesome. So just a couple more questions before we before we wrap up. Um, AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious one. What what has that meant for you in your recovery? Um, it's given me the freedom to explore spirituality that works for me mm. um, without feeling like I have to fit someone else's um, idea of that and and I don't have to make other people fit my idea. Yeah. Yeah. And what's life like for you today? What is What has the change been for you coming into recovery? Um, so many cool things. Like there's happiness in my relationships now. There's a relaxedness in my whole life, you know, my working life my personal life, I, you know, I don't hate myself. <laughs> I don't hate other people, you know, I'm not annoyed with them constantly. Um, I've got a way to process the hard stuff, you know, mm. when I feel fearful, when I feel worried, when I feel obsessed, <laughs> um, when I feel controlling, yeah. And if, if you were a newcomer in recovery, what advice would you want to give to that person? Um, just come along. Just pick up the phone and talk to someone. Mm. Just come along to a meeting. Just keep coming and see what sticks. Um, look for the similarities, not the differences. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Kylie. It's lovely to have you on the show. And um, thank you for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are 60 meetings in Canterbury, so there's likely to be one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz 
or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 